Welcome to an encouraging word from Pastor Elliot Warren from Cross Culture Church in Houston, Texas. We're talking, we've been, we started last week uh, getting into the story about Samson. And uh, if you remember, you know, Samson, well, what an individual he was. And we saw, we saw how the anointing came on him. We looked at, you know, why was it God used him and uh, answered a few uh, questions about the beginning of the story. And then, and then, of course, as the story progresses, we get to some of the um, better known parts of the story, which is what we're getting into today. And, um, you know, I, I think most of you know this, but Samson made some very, very bad decisions in life. And what he ended up doing was he sacrificed his purpose for pleasure and for his desires. And how many times people do that today? You know, there's such a, a, a great potential for everyone, particularly, and I'm specifically referring to those that have given their life to the Lord. There's such a potential for every one of us. And so many times we will choose something of this life over fulfilling that and, and being the best at that that we could be. Anyway, so um, Samson's lusts and his um, drives, his natural drives in life, sex drive, deceived him. They blinded him. And they almost destroyed him. And they ended up putting him in a place of misery. I mean, if you look at the in, near the end of his life, he was in a place of great misery. And what got him there wasn't God. It was him doing things his way and, um, you know, running after his own desires and his own pleasures. Um, it brought him to a place of misery. And, and I'll just encourage all of you in this. Although the enemy may tempt you with things and certain things in life may look so wonderful, if they're not of God, they'll always end up in something like misery. It always ends up with you're, you're like, I wish I hadn't done that. I want to encourage you to remember that in life. Remember that one day you'll wish that you had done things God's way if you don't. And you'll wish you didn't just live for pleasure, just for the moment, uh, just for fun. You'll, you'll look back and go, what did I do? Why did I do that? And I'm, I'm telling you this so you'll think through things, that you'll reason through life. And you'll make a decision to, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to live my life that way. I'm going to live my life for purpose. Oftentimes, purpose is the more difficult path, at least in, the, in our minds. But it's the more fruitful way. It's where we're going to be more blessed. It's where there's more fulfillment. It's where we get supernatural, amazing open doors. It's where we're blessed because we've been sowing to the Spirit in those right moments we reap back. But it's, 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 the, it's the place where there's resistance. You know, there's a, there's a natural resistance to going there. And there's usually a natural open door to go in some other direction. Anyway, that's, that's what Samson did. And, you know, I've mentioned, I think that, um, you know, his, he was, um, uh, his, his lust did him in. It was all about women. And so uh, the last girl he ended up with was Delilah. Everybody's probably heard of Delilah. Um, I think there's a girl at KSBJ named Delilah, right? She used to be, whatever. And we're, we're not talking about her. But um, 
this is Delilah in the Bible. Samson was so fixated on this woman. I mean, he just had to have her. She was just the most amazing thing. You know, there's nobody else like Delilah. He was hooked. Hooked. That means by this time, he's making crazy decisions. He can't see clearly. Um, it really is crazy the things that happen to individuals <laughs> that give in to the spirit that, that he gave in to. Um, and so I want to mention this, you know, at the front, because really the story about Samson and Delilah could really, could really be looked at as a story about sex slash romance and money. Okay. And these two things I have seen destroy more lives than any other things I know of, right? They're all, they're always these various things that can pop up, but sex slash romance and money slash success opportunity stuff. Those two things mess up more lives, get more people off course and cause more people to make bad decisions than any other thing I know. I mean, it, it, it happens so regularly. And uh, so, so anyway, as, as I mentioned, Samson's weakness was sex and romance. He was always into that. Um, it, if you look at the, the whole story, you see it happens when he's young. You know, the story starts out with Samson. You know, he, there, he's with his mom and dad still. He's still a young guy. And he's young, and he comes to his parents, and he goes, hey, I saw a girl I want. And um, they're like, well, you know, um, uh, why don't you look at somewhere else? You know, because that, that girl, she's not a believer. She's over there with the Philistines. And, and uh, Samson goes, no, I want that girl. I saw her. She looks good to me. That's, that's the way it, it's translated. Actually, it says she's pleased. They, they say something else, but the, the, literal, the literal word is she's right in my eyes. All he's done is seen her, right? That, that's really an amazing thing there. But um, he's just got this picture in his mind. It's like some kind, it's, not, it's the power of something like pornography. It's the picture of this woman in his mind, and he starts going places. He's thinking about her every day he can't get her off his mind he won't stop thinking about her let me let me just mention this particularly to the guys when you let certain thoughts get in your brain and you don't get them out you are going to be in trouble because you empower whatever you think whatever you think now they say men are more prone to images and pictures and things like that. So they're more susceptible to pornography. They're more susceptible to be to, to lusting after a woman or looking at a woman that that's revealing more than she ought to, or you know, she's trying to, you know, get people to look at her for certain reasons. You know, men are more susceptible to those kinds of things. And men, you need to be careful what you look at because it's going to try to take a place in your brain. And men, you definitely need to be careful what you think about, men and women, because what you think about, you're going to empower 
And before long, what you empower will end up taking control of your life and you'll be doing the most dumb things you could never imagine. Whatever you empower will take control of your thoughts, your emotions, and even your drives in life. You'll be driven. You can be obsessed with something. And this is exactly where Samson was. And I just want to mention here, I've seen people that have given in to certain thoughts and before long, they're doing things they thought they would never, ever do. And they're becoming someone they thought they would never become. Why? Because it started with a thought, an idea. They played around with something. And when they stepped into that, it grew into something bigger and something worse. And I want to just mention this too, because it's so important. I believe part of what the devil's scheme is in this hour is to begin to tell you, Oh, sex however you want it, that's okay. Sex whenever you want it, that's okay. And all this stuff, this transgender this and that, the, the, all this, the fluidity of the sexes and homosexuality and all of that. People may be well-meaning, but there is a spiritual force behind all of those thoughts. And what it is doing is causing people to just open their minds to something and think, well, maybe that's possible. Maybe that God says things ought to be a certain way. And if you do not believe God and trust God and hold on to that truth, you're going to be vulnerable because you're going to be letting things into your mind. Once they get into your mind, they'll have a power in your system. And they will begin to push you and drive you. And you'll begin to go, well, I guess I'm this person. It's because there are things in you that might not ought to be there. Do y'all see what I'm saying? And I just want to say this too. Some things get inside individuals. I don't know how they got there. I don't want to just blame everybody. It's not about blame. Again, sometimes people don't know better. In our world, we don't know left from right anymore. And so people are open to whatever. And it just happens. I read the other day, I forgot what percentage it was. I believe it was like over 50% of young people identify as uh, lesbian, gay, or some other something. And I'm talking about people that consider themselves Christians. And you're going, what? That's the craziest thing. They don't know better. How can someone say one thing and yet is very contrary to the Word of God? And let me just say this too. This isn't about hate. It's about right and wrong and protecting and, and you know what I'm saying and doing what pleases the Lord. But it's also what's right. You know, I'll, I'll just tell you people that are trying to get their identity, trying so hard over and over. Uh, they want more acceptance. They want more this. It, they'll never be happy because something deep on the inside of them will never be fulfilled. If they'll always be grasping for more acceptance, more dominance, more of something to validate something that will never be validated on the inside of them. Y'all see that? So certain agendas will never stop because there's some need that's trying to get met in that agenda. Do y'all see what I mean? Anyway, I went off on a little side note there. But let me just mention this too. Fathers, it's so important that you get into your children's lives and that you begin to, to form their thoughts. Don't let them form their thoughts on their own. Oh, I can't believe you're telling them that. Of course I'm telling them that. Are you going to let a, you know, okay, let's go to the extreme. They're letting little children decide 
uh, you know, I'm a boy. I want to be a woman. Of course, I hope everybody can see that doesn't make any sense, right? You're like, well, what is a woman? You know what I'm saying? They hardly even know what a woman is. Um, anyway, that just reminded me of my son explaining to my, when he was about three years old or four, explaining to my my mother, his grandmother, what a woman was. It was how you could tell. It was so funny. <laughs> Um, but anyway, fathers, you need to get into your, and, and mothers, but fathers, you need to get into your children's lives, particularly your son's lives. And, and you need to begin to plant the word of God there and instruct them, help the light to come on. Don't expect them to get it from the TV set, from the programs they watch, from whatever computer programs they're on, from their iPad, from school, they're feeding children. They, they now in many schools think it's their responsibility to feed their children anti-God things. And if you don't agree with it, you, you've probably heard of parents going to the school meetings. And I think it was Virginia and some other places on the East Coast where they've been teaching the children things about homosexuality. And they, I mean, teaching them gross things and presenting these things to these children and reading these stories. These parents go to the t parent-teacher meetings, and they say they even will read the book, the, the books that their children are being taught in front of all these people at the parent-teacher meetings and, and, um, and it, with, a, with the school board. And the school board would make them quit because they would say, you can't be saying that vulgar stuff in here. And they're like, we're just reading the books that you're telling our children to read. That's too vulgar to say publicly, openly, to the people. I mean, that kind of thing's happened over and over. And then, of course, you heard our government was trying to call these parents, um, you know, some kind of terrorist. It's the craziest thing. And then they started getting on the parents and saying, the parents should have no right to tell the children what to believe in school and what we're going to teach in school. And the parents are like, well, you can teach them two plus two is four, but you can't teach them about the sexual things you're teaching them because that is wrong. We don't believe in that and we're not going to stand for it. So then particularly in some of these East Coast towns and maybe it's happened in Texas. I think somebody mentioned to me this, this kind of thing happened in a town in Texas. But um, anyway, this kind of thing's going on. And children need their parents' input. Fathers, you need to to man up with the Word of God, and you need to be responsible to bring the Word of God back into your home and to make sure your home is centered on the Word of God and that you talk about the Word of God. I think it's a good thing to talk about the Word of God. If y'all eat together every day, take the first five minutes and bring up something about the Word. Talk about the message from Sunday. Talk about what you read that morning in your devotional. Think about what's going on with your family, with your children. Notice what's going on. Notice their battles. Help them bring the Scriptures in and think through the Scriptures and apply that to what they're going through in life. You see, if you don't know, if you don't know the Scripture, all you got to do is go get on your search engine and ask the question. There's a lot of other preachers and ministers that have probably got a whole bunch of Scriptures for you to read there. I mean, that just sounds so easy. It's not even fair. But it works. It works. So anyway, you need to get involved. I, I love this little passage that's in Proverbs. It's in, you know, like, uh, like 
Proverbs, the, any of some of the first chapters, particularly um, chapter five, but you've got this father that goes, uh, you know, the, the proverb is saying something like this. This is a father to his son. And then he starts telling him all these things about life. Now, we're not getting the actual conversation. We're getting what was written. We're just getting these major points. But I believe the father, he's, he's just presenting this. The father's sitting down. He's telling his son things. And I, I, maybe what happened was after he goes and he does that, he goes back and he writes them down. I don't know. He says, oh, that was really good what, what I had to share today. Let me write this down. So you have a few chapters. It's a father to a son. And some of that stuff I read and I'm going, man, what a difference our nation would have in it if the Christians had continued bringing Christ into the home, if the fathers had continued sharing Christ with their children, we would not have a lost generation today that doesn't know their left hand from their right hand. And I tell you, one of my dreams, and I've been asking God this, is God somehow bring the Word of God back into the home. Let there be something where the Word of God can be connected from Sunday school to the home, from parents to the children, where it's getting back into the hearts of the parents need to get the Word of God back in them again, and the children need the Word of God back in them again. Let me just mention this. Could you imagine what it would be like if you had just a little five-minute discussion going through the Word of God every night with your children, maybe at the dinner table? I mean, after... Five years of that, that's a lot of stuff you've talked about, even though you only did a little every day. Y'all see what I mean? Look at what the impact that would have. And when you read these Proverbs, and, and like in Proverbs 5, and he's telling his son, watch out. Now, this is what he's telling a boy. You might you tell a girl something different, right? But he's saying, watch out for wayward women. Watch out for women that are going to be like this and smooth talking and whatever. Watch out for women that are going to be coming across like this and doing that. Be careful about that. I've seen too many men make too many mistakes. Son, be careful. I've seen them end up like this over and over and over. Now, by that time, maybe that little boy's eyes are about like that. Like, really? And then he goes, and also, you know, stay away from any adulteress. Stay away from that kind of stuff. You run as far as you can. Don't even go near the door of her house. And I bet the little boy's going, wow. And did, oh, did that ha Oh, man, that's just crazy what happened. And then you could say, hey, you know what happened to King David? I mean, that's what we could say, right? Hey, you know what happened to this situation? Man, and then he says, and then enjoy the wife. Let your wife, when you get married, make sure that's the one you enjoy. And enjoy her and think about her. But you stay away from all that other stuff. You see, I'll just, I mean, honestly, think about this. What if fathers planted that thought, that word, and those kind of things in their children, they're going to grow up with that word on the inside of them. And even if they do go in that direction and do something they ought not to do, there's something really strong on the inside of them saying, you messed up, you need to get your life back in line. And until they do, they'll have that word you spoke to them, always talking to them to get them back in line. The word of God's powerful. Parents, Plant it in your children and give them vision. I'm getting off on this. I didn't mean to so much today, but, but I just want to say this too. Parents, you need to give your children a vision for something that they don't see in this world. You're going to grow up. If you don't have, and you, even if you parents, maybe your marriage 
didn't work out well. You know what I mean? Maybe things happen. Maybe you weren't serving the Lord even when you got married. You know, but you speak to your children and you begin to give them vision. You know what? I serve the Lord now. You know what? When you grow up, you're going to have a, a great wife. You're going to have a great husband. It's going to be a great family. Y'all are going to be faithful to one another. You're not going to get divorced. Just imagine that in your mind. That's what's normal. When I grew up, I'd never even have ever imagined divorce, one, not one bit, because I saw that in my parents. But so many people haven't seen that, and they've not seen it in society. They need to be given that vision all over again. You're gonna, your children are going to grow up. They're going to love being together with you. They're going to love going, uh, you know, on vacations together. Y'all going to be, be stuck together your whole lives. You know, it's going to be wonderful. Family's a good thing. And you're going to have a great family, right? What you're doing, maybe, again, maybe you've been through things, right? But what you're doing is you're bringing your children up where they're not going to make the same mistakes you might have made. Amen? Anyway, give that vision. Now, I believe Delilah probably had that same problem that Samson had. I believe that. But in the Word, it highlights another problem that Delilah had, and that's with money. Um, this is so interesting. If you look in Judges 16, now Samson's with Delilah. He just loves her so much. He's, he's gone crazy over her. And it says, The lords of the Philistines came to Delilah and said, Entice him. See where his great strength lies and how we can overpower him to bind him, to afflict him. Then we'll give you 1,100 pieces of silver. Now, 1,100 pieces pieces of silver at that time was like enormous i don't i mean i don't know how to relate that maybe she could live off of that for like a hundred years i mean it's like that was an enormous amount of money and um i don't know i've wondered why would they give her 1100 pieces of silver um, I, I don't really know because I would think surely they'd go, we'll give you a hundred pieces. I mean, Jesus was sold for 30 pieces of silver, wasn't he? Right. Um, that's what it took for Judas 30. Okay. So with Delilah, 1100, how'd it get to 1100? I wonder, makes me think maybe she did have some affection for, for Samson. I don't know. But maybe we don't, again, we don't know all the details of the story. We just know the highlights. Maybe it started out a lot lower. Hey, Delilah, we'll give you a hundred. No, nah, that's all right. I wouldn't do that to Samson. And they get back, they talk, and they say, Delilah, we'll give you five. I don't know. I'm just guessing. And this isn't in the Bible. Delilah, we'll give you 500. 500? Oh, no, no. And they go back and they go, let's give her something she will not refuse. We don't want her thinking twice about this. Let's just go ahead and give her 1100 Delilah, we'll give you 1100 What? What? What'd you say? 1100 pieces of silver? Well, I love Samson, but I don't love him that much. Yep, right? So, all of a sudden, now, 
Delilah, who probably thought she was in love with Samson, she doesn't even care about him. Because what they said there, we're going to bind him and afflict him. She's not only getting money, she realizes they're going to torture him. She doesn't care. Because she's got her mind on the money now. She's forgotten all about Samson. Why? Because something else better has come along. And I'll get on another side note here, and I just want to say, young women and men, you better make sure you marry somebody who fears the Lord. Because there'll come a time when things might not be seeming to go real well, and it'll seem like something else better comes along, and you'll be long forgotten about. How are you going to know that's not going to happen? The only way to really, you know, assure yourself is to make sure that the person you marry fears the Lord. Fears the Lord. You know, you might go, oh, they love me so much. Oh, they love me so much. And you always want, do you really love me? Do you really? Oh, she loves me so much or he loves me so much. Let me tell you, five years later, after you're married, it might not be like that. It might not. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking about the mesmerizing, obsessed, whatever effect. Not there anymore. Right? You want to make sure that something better coming along isn't going to pull your, pull your spouse, your friend in the wrong direction. So anyway, here she is. She's going to be the richest woman in Babylon. No, richest woman in, in the Philistine camp. And, um, you know, she's probably going to have her TV program. She's probably going to be, you know, keeping up with, uh, keeping up with Delilah. You know, she's got her new mansion. And, you know, she's showing you how she did it. You know, oh, you know, I just did it. <laughs> you know, I did it like this. And it was just amazing. And I was amazing how I, you know, and, you know, she's, she's probably, she's probably thinking about that for days. She's just I got all these YouTubers coming and wanting to, wanting to get her on. She, she's like so popular. Now, everybody's, you know, before long, everybody's going to be watching Delilah. You know, did you see Delilah today? That was amazing. Anyway, but in essence, what happened here? Satan offered this woman money, a whole lot of it, to do evil. Now, people don't think Satan can give you things. Yes, Satan can give you things. You remember in the temptation? Satan even told Jesus, I'll give you these kingdoms if you just worship me. That wouldn't have been a legitimate temptation if he couldn't have done that. You see what I mean? So, anyway, Satan can do things like that. And I would say Satan will offer things for your compromise. He will offer you things to get you to compromise. I really believe that. Sometimes he offers it but doesn't give it to you after you compromise. But he might. It all depends if it's going to, you know, fulfill his purpose right but you need to ask yourself is there a price a certain price i'd pay maybe i wouldn't compromise for 500 pieces of silver but what i compromise for 1100 pieces of silver you, you, you understand what i'm saying 
We have to ask ourselves those questions and we should be thinking about that. Delilah held out for 1100 Maybe she should be commended because I think so many other people sell out to Satan for so little. They lie, cheat, steal just for a little benefit. You know what I'm saying? There's a proverb that says this, better is a poor man who has integrity and is honest than a rich man who has no integrity and is dishonest. Better is a poor man who has integrity and honesty than a rich man who has no integrity and he's dishonest. Now, he doesn't say it's good to be poor, right? That's not what it's saying here. He's saying it's better off to be poor and honest, a good person and full of integrity than to be rich and be dishonest or have lost your integrity and your values. Now, I want you just to think about that for a moment. Why is he saying that? First of all, he's, he's wanting whoever he's speaking to to think about this in life. If you ever have to make a choice between making a lot more money and you're having to compromise your values or staying poor, and you get get to keep your values, <laughs> choose to be poor. He says, that's better off. I'm, he's not saying that choice is going to come. What he's trying to do is give you perspective. You see, what happens is we look at a rich person and go, oh, man, how do you get there? And we look at a poor, poor person and go, oh, man, how do you get there? I don't want to be like that. Oh, I want to be like that. He says, that's not the whole picture. It's better off. You know, he's, he's saying there's something more important than prosperity. Do y'all see that? And he says, you need, to, you need to value these things right. And Jesus said this. What good's it going to do for you? To, he's talking about the same point. What good's it going to do for you to gain the whole world if you lose your soul? How do you lose your soul? What's that got to do with gaining the whole world? What he's saying is people sell themselves for earthly benefits for more money, for, for relationships, to do stuff. And he says, you sold yourself. What good is that going to do you? Then he goes, because he, Jesus says this, because it doesn't matter how much money you have when it's all said and done, you can't buy your soul back. People sold themselves when life's over, when they're in their eternal situation, your money's not going to be able to help you one bit. You can't buy back what you sold to Satan. Are you see what I'm saying? And Jesus gives that example. Why? So we'll think about it. We'll reason through it. And we'll go, whoop, nope. I'm not selling myself to anybody. And if you've done that, I want to encourage you. You're probably already entrapped. Maybe you're like Samson. You've already got this process going where you're obsessed Maybe it's with sex. Maybe it's with more money. Maybe it's with another relationship. God's like, pull out from that and detox and let God change your life and bring you into what God has for you. Let me just say this too. 
Sometimes when you're pulling away from that, it feels like you're going to lose everything. And you might, but let me just say, anybody I know that's done that is always so happy they did it. They're free. They're enjoying life. They're connected with God in, in, with purpose. They've got peace in their life. And I want to encourage any of you connected to this world, to the things of this world. You've sold out something to Satan. You sold out to this world. You've given part of yourself to get something in this life that's temporal. Let me hopefully wake you up today and just say, that is so dangerous what you've done. Wake up, back up, and begin to look at things the way God says them. Because if you don't, let me, please, Listen to this. If you don't, you'll be just like Samson, Samson, blinded, deceived, running after stuff. Oh, you got to have it. You've got to have it. You think you're in control. No, it's the spirit and your thoughts that you've been empowered that have control, right? Paul says this. If a thought's not right, if it's not in agreement with God, cast it down. It's a forceful thought. These are spiritual things. If you have not been casting down temptations, wrong thoughts, compromising ideas, you have actually been empowering them and giving them a place in your life that will eventually be used against you. Amen? So, be careful. Now, if you look in Judges 16, you'll see something that's so interesting there too. Samson is here in Judges 16. And this is where he does one of the most dumb things ever. Now, this will show you how dumb people can be when they get in relationships. I have seen people do the most dumb things. In fact, I can just I can remember talking many times to people who are making the most dumb decisions in relationships. I mean, it would make you laugh. It probably I mean, you make you open your mouth in unbelief like what, you know, but. And sometimes you can reason with somebody, what are you doing this for? What? He's doing this. He's doing that. And you're going to do what? You see, people make the most dumb decisions. And that's exactly what Samson's doing here. Okay, so after she takes this money or she, she agrees to the contract, um, Delilah says, okay, Samson, verse 6, tell me where your great strength is. How uh, could you be bound to be afflicted as if we want to afflict you? And Samson just makes up a story. Well, if they bind me with seven cords that hadn't been dried, then I'll become weak and like other men. So then the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh cords that had not been dried. Okay, so he makes up this story. And okay, if they bind me this way, then, then I, I won't have any power. So they're in the inner room waiting there. And she says, the Philistines are on you, but he breaks the cords. Okay. <laughs> You've deceived me. That's what she says. You've deceived me. You told me lies. You don't love me. I mean, I, this just so gets under my skin, right? She is so manipulating and controlling. And she knows how to push his buttons and get her way man it just, doesn't that just irritate you that she that she's like that you deceived me you told me lies please now tell me how you can be bound okay then he tells her another crazy thing okay she says it again 
He snaps the ropes. Okay, and then she goes, um, <laughs> anyway, so he, tell, he tells it again, and, and it happens again, like two or three other times. Finally, she gets so under his skin, nagging him, nagging him. He tells her exactly what it is that's going to bring him down. Okay, well, if you shave my hair off, that's it. Now, I, I just want you all to think about this. He said one thing, put cords around me. And I wake up, uh, you know, I won't have any power. He wakes up, the cords are around him. Exactly what he told her. Boom. The next day, he tells her something else. She, she did exactly what he said. He broke out of it. Third days, exactly what she said. Do you not see some kind of pattern? Do you not think you might not make the decision to tell her, shave my hair off? You might wake up tomorrow with no hair. I mean, it's like the, the worst decision ever, the greatest blind spot ever. I mean, and when you're reading the story and then you read that he tells her that, you're going to go, oh, you don't need to read the next verse. You know he's going to wake up the next morning and his head's shaved, right? But he couldn't figure that out. He is so in love. He's so in love. It's just, it's just again, just the, the craziest thing. Now, okay, and so you know what happens. You know, he wakes up and... Um, they they shave his hair off and then his his strength is gone. She yells, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. He wakes up and he goes, uh, I'm going to shake myself free. But he did not know the Lord had departed from him. And, it w and the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes. They brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze chains. And he was in a grinder in the prison. What a sad story. What a sad story, you see, how his life ended up. And again, I've seen so many people in so much misery uh, chasing things and chasing relationships they thought were going to be all the answer for them. However, I like this right here. However, the hair of his head began to grow. All right, and we're going to get into the rest of it in just a minute. But I want to just, I want to make a few points uh, just for you to think about about life. And, um, and so I'm going to try to make like four or five little points here before we come to the end. But um, first thing I just want to mention is you can be blessed in life, but that doesn't mean God's pleased how you're, with how you're living your life. So many people confuse that. So if they're making money, oh, if they're, they, they get a promotion, well, that means God is really pleased with me. They might be even doing things wrong, but the blessing to them validates, but God's still with me. You see, God, God's okay with me. See, I've, I've even seen that happen in ministry. I've seen ministers, uh, God begins to use them. And first thing you know, they start, they start sleeping around. I mean, I know this sounds crazy. I, that's like unfathomable, right? But it happens. And they'll be living like that and they'll continue to preach. And they'll say, God's still using me. People are still getting saved. God understands. 
and God's okay with it because he's still using me. That's not the case. That's not the case. Just because, uh, you know, a lightning bolt doesn't come out of heaven quickly and hit you when you do something like that, doesn't mean it's okay. And God, even though it looks like he might wait a long time to chastise sometimes, and we wonder why, I don't know why, God will definitely chastise all of his children because he loves them. If anybody gets away with something for a long time, sometimes I'm going, you know what? Maybe they're not saved. Because if you're saved, God's going to chastise you just like a father would his child, right? And one place it says he does that because they don't, he doesn't want you, he wants you to participate in eternal life, right? Not be condemned with the wicked. You see, because God loves you, right? So you be careful. Samson made this thing happen to him, but God allowed it to happen. God allowed it to happen. Samson made it happen, but God allowed it. Second thing I just want to mention is uh, it says his hair began to grow. Now, um, I don't believe that his hair beginning to grow is actually what brought his power back later. Um, if you, when you read the story, um, what happens later is he actually prays for power and strength to do the deed. I don't think there's any other time he'd ever prayed for the strength and power. It was always a gift. This time he prays, and we'll see that in just a minute. He prays, God, give me strength. I realize I'm just saying some of you might not know this story. Let me read the rest of the story here. So now, now he, okay, remember what's happened to Samson. He's got his eyes gouged out. He's been put on display and he's got no power. He's just like any normal person. Um, so they assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God. What a name for a God. I've always thought, you know, people cuss using the name of Jesus all the time. And, um, Someone said, why don't they ever cuss with other gods? And I never thought about it till the other day. And I thought, this is, they, they cuss with this God's name, don't they? Dagon, right? That's in the South. Anyway, his name is, his name's Dagon, Dagon. And they were rejoicing because they're saying, our God has given Samson, our enemy, into our hands. And when the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, Our God has given our enemy into our hands, even the destroyer of our country. And so it happened when they were in high spirits, they said, Call for Samson that he may amuse us. So they called for Samson from the prison. He entertained them. Um, I don't think that means he was dancing and, you know, like it just it just means he was there and they, they were watching him. They were laughing at him. And um, and they made him stand between the pillars. That was a bad decision. So Samson said to the servant who was holding his hand, let me feel the pillars on which the house rests so that I can lean against him. Now the house was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there and 3,000 men and women were on the roof looking down. So you've got all these individuals plus another three. I mean, it's packed full of people. And plus 3,000 on the roof. And Samson calls out to the Lord, 
Oh, Lord, please remember me and strengthen me just this time. Oh, God, that I may at once be avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. Samson grasped the two middle pillars of the house. He braced himself against him. What a picture. I mean, they're there laughing at him. They're there having, they're this, the most carefree people. This is like the greatest. We are celebrating. We're rejoicing today. And Samson is there, the one, <laughs> the one believer in the whole place is right there with a gift from God, right where he needs to be with his hand on the pillar and a repentant heart that says, God, I messed up. You see, when the Bible says his hair grew back, it's symbolic. Okay, what's it saying? What does the hair mean? It's consecration. When, when Samson went into that hell hole, when he had his worst day, he started drawing close to God. Oh, God, I'm sorry what I did. God, that was my mistake. But now he's over that. He's been forgiven. You see, so many times we get into place, we mess up. We don't feel worthy to pray any, or ask God to use us anymore. I love this. Samson comes out of his biggest mistake. He's drawn near to God, and now he's confident in prayer. And like I said earlier, he's never prayed for power before. It was his gift. Now it's coming out of a relationship and faith. And I believe this is why he's in Hebrews 11, the Hall of Fame chapter of faith in the New Testament. Samson, honored for his faith. Here you see it right here. The one man... I just love that. God's got this one man exactly where he needs to be, even though he's messed up. And he's got his hand on that pillar. <laughs> they're laughing, they're singing, they're praising Dagon. And he's there <laughs> with his hands on that pillar. He prays to God. The power of God comes upon him again. And he bent with all his might so that the house fell on the Lord's. He pushed the... This house is big enough to have 3,000 on the roof. And I've, I've read where they had these kind of structures and all these like center beams that they all connected to. So he's down there in the center of the whole thing, pushes it down. It, it is an amazing thing. And Samson says this, let me die with the Philistines. It wasn't a big deal to him. And let me just say... I believe that five last five minutes of his life were the best five minutes of his life. <laughs> you know, if I'm going to go, you know, praise God, that wouldn't be a bad way to go. You know what I mean? So anyway, that's that story. So I was getting back to this when, when it says his hair, his hair started to grow. What was it talking about? He's connecting with God. He's restoring his relationship. And second thing, the hair re referred to his anointing. God's going to bring his anointing back. And I just want to encourage everybody, you might have messed up. You might have gotten off course. God's like, I will restore you and use you even more than ever if you just turn back around and come back. Right? And that's exactly what happened with him. Another thing that we see here is, you know, the enemy did something really bad. God did something amazingly wonderful, right? No matter what the devil has done bad against you, 
if you don't give up and you keep connecting to God, God's going to give you something better back in his place. You can look at a story like Joseph. Joseph didn't do anything wrong, did he? It was not his fault. You remember all the crazy things that happened to Joseph? None of that was his fault. I mean, he might have been, he might have provoked, I mean, but really, can you say that they should have done that? No. What did God do at the end? Because he didn't give up. God restored everything. And for the degree that he went down to that degree and more, God brought him up. Isn't that true? What happened with Samson? Samson's a little different story because he did sort of deserve what he got. He brought it on himself, didn't he? How many times when we bring something on ourselves, we go, we don't deserve that. We don't deserve God to bless. We don't deserve. God goes, you know what? This is a story for everybody to remember. If you return to me, I'll return to you. I'll restore you and I'll use you in your latter days even more than I use you earlier. That's an amazing God we serve. He'll restore us and do something great with us. And uh, just be encouraged. You can still finish well. You can still have your name in that book of testimony. Right? With uh, that book of faith. And uh, I just I want to mention something really quickly here before we finish. But look at that prayer of faith. This prayer, does this prayer sort of make you go, what kind of prayer is that? Listen to this. Um, Remember me and strengthen me that I can be avenged for my two eyes. That sounds so selfish. But you know why I don't believe it's selfish? Because God specifically answered that prayer. This is important because I feel like this is teaching us something about prayer that we don't know today or we don't act on today. Why did God answer this prayer and what kind of prayer is it? Samson's a judge, right? He is coming before the judge of judges and he is presenting his case This is almost, if you want to call it, a legal case he's bringing before God. And he goes, God, avenge me. They have done this. Now avenge back. Now it might sound like he's getting a whole lot more back than than was taken from him. I have two eyes. Let me kill all these thousands to avenge for these two eyes they put out. But he's brought a case before God. That's how... He presented his prayer. I want you to think about that. That's how, that was his petition. It was like a legal petition before God. God avenged me. They did this, now give me back. And it looks like he got a lot more back than what he gave. And I just want to say God is a judge and God heard that prayer. And wherever the enemy has stolen from you, you will be able to receive many times back. And God loves to do that because he wanted to do that anyway. God wanted to destroy the Philistines anyway. And he considers it justice because, oh, you haven't just put out two eyes. You've put out two eyes on my servant. You see, that's my son there. So, yes, it's worth all these thousands. You see, and God was wanting to destroy them anyway because they've been afflicting the um, the evil. Excuse me, they've been afflicting the Israelites. Now, 
If you look at this story, you gotta you gotta see this part. The other day I was I was this has been like a few months ago. I was in the Word, and I was preparing for a message, and then I felt God kept telling me to read this verse, and so I read this verse, and it's about what happened. It's about all the people that died, and I knew God was having telling me to read that verse, and I read it over and over, and I'm like, God, what? And um, I just feel like God highlighted this to me to say, this is who I am, and I believe this is the kind of thing God's getting ready to do. I just want to say this. Think about this. Look what happened with Samson, okay? He's there. He kills more in that one five minutes of his life than in his whole life. Not only that, He's killing the who's who of the whole country. He's killing all the kings of the provinces. He's killing all the governors. He's killing all the leaders. All the big name people were there. And plus, the socialite Delilah was there too, I bet. Every one of them went down. And she went down with her 1,100 pieces of silver. as a great illustration for us. It's just as if God had planned it. You could not have planned it any better. And I just want to say this, God did plan it. I don't understand how God is able to work with our free will and sovereignty at the same time. All I know is that he does. And God planned this whole thing. And it says in Micah and it says in Jeremiah, God devises and plans against the wicked to bring them down. Man, God brought me to that verse and I'm reading it and reading it and I'm going, man, God's highlighting this to me. God, what? How? When? I don't hear anything. But I want to tell you this. God today is the same day God was in the days of Samson. The same God he was in the days of Pharaoh. And I'll just end with this thought. It says, you remember where it says God hardened Pharaoh's heart? Some people don't like that. But think about this. It says, there they were. They go out, and we, we looked at this recently. They go out into the wilderness. He has them wander around a little bit like they don't know what they're doing. And it says, God allowed Pharaoh to see that and for Pharaoh to think, I can beat him now. That was the hardening of his heart and him saying, huh, we've had these 10 miracles and I gave up. I, I was, but now I'm looking, I can win. That's the hardening. He says, I'm going to do it. He allows people to get bold and make some of the most dumbest decisions ever. Why? Because God is always working with a plan. And let me say this. No leader in the world, no demon in hell, no Satan as brilliant as he is. Nobody can outwit God. He is so many steps ahead of everybody. Don't ever forget that. He's way ahead of you in your life. He's way ahead of every world leader. He's way ahead. He's got everything already planned out. Don't worry about it. They can't scheme bigger than God. They, they get back in their little corner in their back rooms thinking, do, do, saying this, thinking. It doesn't matter. God's laughing at them. And they'll be rejoicing. Oh, we won, we won, we won. Boom. And then God will, is going to show up. And you know what? The end of the time is going to be like that too. There's going to be probably some of the greatest, you know, craziness going on in that day and 
The devil's going to feel like he's one. All the people of the world's going to feel like they're one. And then it says Jesus is going to split the heavens and come back himself. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. He's going to come back with fire and vengeance. He came the first time as a child. You know that verse it says that he quotes. He says to proclaim the day of the Lord. And he, he didn't share the last part because that's in his next coming and the vengeance of our God. But anyway, let's begin to pray. Amen. Begin to bring your petitions to the Lord and begin to ask for justice. In the New Testament, Luke 13 is telling the woman, don't give up. What example is that for justice? Won't God avenge? What kind of prayer must she be praying? God, avenge me. Avenge. God, see what the devil's doing in this earth. And I, I better say this. God's not asking you to pray <laughs> against your natural enemies but against the spiritual things. Amen. And let God handle those other things. Amen. Well, Father, thank you for today, Lord. We just pray. Bless us. God, encourage us. Give us your word. God, we pray this would be an amazing week. Lord, I pray there would be the word of God back in every home. Lord, let every home begin to flourish this week. I pray that the parents would begin to have a new inspiration and a desire to bring the word of God back into their home and to speak the word of God to their children, to get into their lives. Lord, I pray for the men, the men of this nation, the men that are in the church. Father, I pray they'd begin to rise up and begin to take their roles again and to, to not just wimp out and to run away and be irresponsible. Father, I just pray that you'd raise up a generation of men that will be responsible and they, they will be the, the leaders that they're called to be, that they would uh, do what they're supposed to do. Lord, we pray that what the enemy has tried to do to sort of like shut them off and make them irresponsible. And uh, God, we just pray those lives would be broken. And we pray that the church also would become what the church is supposed to be, that in this hour, God, you'd raise up the church according to your design for this generation. God, we pray, raise us all up. God calls us to fulfill our mission in life. And Lord, we thank you for restoring us like you did Joseph and like you did Samson and bringing us to a place of amazing fruitfulness in this hour. Thank you, dear God, for this. We look forward to it. We're expecting it. We're full of anticipation. In Jesus' name, amen.